Today is our third talk on a series of talks we're doing called Testify. And it's about like the what, who, how, where, and why of witnessing to Yeshua's cause. So this, um, let's see, I'm just going to throw out a couple of questions for you and we'll do a little review. So you're going to teach me for a second here. What is the Hebrew word for a witness? Aid, that's right. Yes. And what's the Greek word for a witness? It's a word that we have in English when someone is killed for a cause. That's right. Martyr. Martyr is the Greek word for a witness. And, you know, many of the early witnesses of Yeshua's cause gave their lives for their testimony. And that's kind of how we got the whole word martyr in English. So... What does a witness actually do? What does it mean to testify to something or somebody? That's right. Telling of something that you've seen and heard. It's kind of like witnesses have a story to tell, hey? They say, I saw something. I heard something. I was an eyewitness. Totally. You remember there's another meaning in the Greek that would kind of gave us a better understanding of it? If you witness of somebody, it's like you, you speak well of that person. Often that's translated speaking well of somebody. And uh, so it's like when you talk well about somebody, when you kind of give them props, when you contribute to their good reputation, you are witnessing of that person. And for me anyway, that really helps me understand better what it means to witness to Yeshua's cause, to testify about him. Basically, everybody in our culture is witnessing to something or somebody. Because everybody's talking something up or giving it props. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's some dirty sin, right? But everybody's giving props to something or somebody or a political leader or a pop star, right? So it's like everybody, it's like it's built into our DNA. We are witnesses as human beings. We will testify of something or somebody. Kind of like, remember last Shabbat, we talked about how we're all designed to worship and we will worship something or somebody. It's just a matter of if it's like the real God or if it's some imposter, something that's going to eventually let us down, right? Um, do, you, do you remember also we talked about how the Father testifies of the Son Yeshua? The Holy Spirit testifies of the same guy, Yeshua. Um, that's like a litmus test we discovered. Whether someone is really operating in the Holy Spirit, are they, are they giving props to Yeshua? Are they making Yeshua the hero, the center of attention? That's how you can tell if it's the Holy Spirit or not. It's probably the best test to know if something or somebody is like operating obviously in some kind of spiritual anointing. Just look to see who they're glorifying and who they're pointing to, right? Um, we also uh, looked at Yeshua's apostles and how he sent them out and their primary mission was as witnesses. Um, and then finally, last Shabbat, you remember we looked at kind of like, there were these two passages in the prophet Isaiah, Yeshayahu, and it was like kind of the, um, the basic testimony that the people of Israel have always borne. Do you remember uh, what those two things are? We drew, we drew them last week. Do you remember the first one? The first one, okay. You probably wouldn't remember it because my drawing is so horrible, right? But it was supposed to be a hand going like this is a picture of shout it real loud to me there's one God that's right that, he says that in the book of Isaiah and uh, do you remember we also learned that there is a little passage in the Torah and in, um, in English you're not going to see this but in the Hebrew there are two letters that are written really big and those letters are Ein and Dalit and they spell 
witness. It's like these two letters in this passage in the Torah are written really big and they spell witness. Do you remember what passage it is? That's right, the Shema, the Hero Israel passage in Deuteronomy. So the Jewish people have always understood the Hero Israel passage, which interestingly enough, Yeshua said in Mark chapter 12 is the greatest commandment. They always understood that as being the, the core witness of the people of Israel. There's one God and something about love. It's interesting. And then the other, the other, um, the other one of those two pegs that we uh, that we saw in Isaiah about the witness that we carry as the people of God is that he's there's not just one God, but He saves. Remember that we drew that picture of that guy that was going to go over the Niagara Falls that was uh, on the news a little bit ago, and uh, we thought that was a great picture of how God rescues people. So that's like the core witness. There's one God, and He saved me, and He can save you. That's His business. And uh, then you'll remember there were, there, were five, um, there were five kind of threads in our witness. We talked about how Yeshua said, you are my witnesses. And testifying to Yeshua's cause. And what is it actually that we have to testify about? What is, the, what is it all about? And do you remember we had five threads? Can any of you guys uh, remember any of them or shout them out to me? Yep, that he died and rose. What were some of the pictures we drew? I have to try and remember this myself. Remember the one of the girl that was um, coming back and getting a big hug? What was that a picture of? Yeah, that's right. Repentance and forgiveness. We're, we, are, we are witnesses that God gives repentance and forgiveness through Yeshua. We're witnesses, like you said, that Yeshua historically was executed, that he died, he was really dead, and that God raised him from the dead, which means he's alive today and he's somewhere out there. Which is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. A um, couple other things that we learned is that we are witnesses that Yeshua is the king. You know the Greek word for king? Christos. When people call him Jesus Christ, what they're saying is King Jesus. Right? He is the king. God exalted him to his right hand as a, as a king. He has all authority. He rules the place. He's the big boss. That kind of thing. And then also we're witnesses that God, it's not just that God is a savior, but God saves people through Yeshua, right? Yeshua is like God's chosen agent to bring salvation to people and their marriages and family life and cities and the whole world. And um, that's, that's like our testimony that we bear. So that was, that's what we've been learning for the last couple of weeks. That's a little, little review for us here. Um, we are going to look now at some of the how questions. How does this work? Um, so let's just jump right into that. How does God save people? Like when you think about it, just on a really basic kind of mechanical level, how does it happen that God saves people? And this is a big question for me, quite honestly, because like I, I like to drive around our city Saturday nights and pray for people. And so like I like, to, I like to stop at the casino and walk through the casino and pray for people and hope that I don't see anyone there that I know. Because it means they're either they're gambling or they're going to think I'm gambling. And in either case, it's going to be a little awkward, right? So unless they're there praying, which would be really cool. But anyway, um, but like I, I've I've really been questioning this. Like I drive around our city, and I'm like, there's so many people here that just don't have a clue who the Creator is. Like they're so disoriented, and they're so broken inside, and they hurt other people. And, and you you know the whole nine yards, right? And I'm like, Father, how do you save a person? Like, you know, if you grow up in a, if, in a believing home, 
it's kind of a smooth transition. Like you just blow, grow up believing in God and you know, eventually you make the choice to follow Yeshua and you'll get immersed in water in his name and maybe it's a rocky road for some people. Maybe some people run away for a while or go into rebellion. But you know, it's kind of a little, a little bit smoother. But really, like, how does it work? You have somebody at the c- casino and you want them to, to be saved. Like, how does it work? And uh, this, this is how I would see it. It's really simple. God testifies to people. He talks to them about Yeshua, and if they say, that's true, God, I accept that, boom, he just comes into their life and he starts this big changing process, right? And he forgives them, and he gives them the Holy Spirit. And it's like this huge thing. And inside, like something inside of them. But if they say, you know what, God, that's great that you're offering that, but I've got a pretty good life, I'm doing pretty good on my own, I'm a strong person, and you're just a crutch for weak people. And you know what? I, I don't really need whatever it is you have to offer. Nothing changes for that person. They just kind of rejected him, eh? So I, I think this is, this is really important, these talks about us being witnesses of who Yeshua is um, and what it means to testify to God's truth because this is how people are saved. God doesn't just generally walk out of the blue and appear in someone's bedroom and be like, hey, here's the deal, and tell them about Yeshua. He... he I don't know why, but he chose to work through people. So like, if he wants to get to your next door neighbor, he'll probably use somebody like you to maybe talk about Yeshua, to talk about God's truth. Wow. And that's how God saves people. That's, that's a pretty big job we have, hey? And uh, thankfully it's not all about us and us trying and all that kind of stuff. We'll look at that in a moment. So basically, uh, here are two passages about that. It's like there was a point in our lives, and there is a point in many people's lives, where they encounter God's truth. They hear the story about Yeshua and what he did for them. And at that point, they either accept it, or they reject it. Either they say, true that God, I'm in, let's go. Or they say, no thanks. And uh, here are two passages about that. In um, Yeshua's emissary or apostle, uh, Yochanan John, he wrote in his gospel, chapter 3, verse 33. He who has received his testimony, talking about Yeshua's testimony, has set his seal to this, that God is true. So Yeshua came, and he was carrying God's testimony, and he was talking about it to everybody. And if somebody received that testimony, then John says that person was setting his seal to say that God is true. That's cool, hey? So when, you, when God testifies to a person and they say, I agree with that, what they're saying is, God, you're telling the truth. Here's one more passage about that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 says this, The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who doesn't believe God has made him a liar. Everybody say, ouch. <laughs> because he hasn't believed in the testimony that God gave concerning his Son. So did you hear that? The testimony comes to somebody and then one of two things happens. I'm going to read it again. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who doesn't believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. So again, God comes to people usually through, through his people, through disciples, and people hear the testimony. And if they say, true that God, what they're saying is, God, you're telling the truth, and, and it comes right into them. It goes into them, that testimony. Or if they say, no thanks, what they're saying is, God, you're a liar. It's kind of the two options, right? So just on a mechanical level, that's kind of how it works. That's how salvation works. Really simple. 
Um, so I, w- I want to share with you some ways that we can witness to Yeshua's cause in our culture, try and make this really practical, uh, really useful. Um, the first one is something that Yeshua talked in the book, uh, you could call it Luke 2.0, the second book of Luke, which is the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 1, verse 8, Yeshua has been raised from the dead, and before He goes up to the Father, He spends about a month and a half um, teaching His apostles. And this is something that He says to them, verse 8, You will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So did you notice, like, that's, that's the biggest thing right there. And I know that's so simple. Like, I, I hardly even think I have to say that. But it's, it's, it's really huge. Like, we are not Yeshua's witnesses on our own. Remember Simon Peter? He just totally buckled. He was like, I don't even know the guy. That's me. That's you. Without God's power in our lives, eh? But when we receive the power of Yeshua's Holy Spirit... He changes you, like He totally does. And He gives you the words when you need them. It's kind of like on the spot, you know? And um, that's what He says. Just, you know what? You're going to be my witness just by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's not about you trying. It's not about coming up, cooking up a plan or coming up with this great strategy or having your special techniques or your little booklets or whatever. It's just when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be Yeshua's witness. So that's the first, that's the first thing we learn here. Um, in the book of the Revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, chapter 19, verse 10, it says, the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. So like, yeah, that's something that Paul wrote about too. You remember, he said, the gift of prophecy is for every one of you. And this is something you should really want. Why? Because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Yeshua. It's like, when, when God fills you with His spirit, when He gives you the prophetic gifting that He has for each one of us, you can't stop talking about Yeshua. He's just, he's going to be on your mind. And it's just going to flow really smoothly. You remember that picture of the anointing? Like way back when in the Torah? It was like you dump all this oil on a guy's head. And that was a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that oil is really smooth? And I think maybe that smoothness is a picture of what happens when he anoints us to be his witnesses. Like... It, it, it will come naturally. It will come smoothly for you in those situations where, where the Father puts you. So maybe that's something we learn here. And then finally, um, you remember Yeshua in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11? He was like, okay, so if you're, you have a little boy and he comes to you in the morning and he's like, Abba, I'm hungry. Can I have, can I have some scrambled eggs for breakfast? You're not going to be like, no, no scrambled eggs. Today you get scrambled scorpions. He's like, you'd never do that to your kid, right? Or like, if you have a little girl and she comes to you in the morning and she's like, Abba, can I have some, can I have some bread? Can I have some toast? You're not going to be like, yes, I'll give you toast, toasted snakes. I mean, you're just, you don't do that, right? And then Yeshua said, so like, listen, if you, if you're bad, like you're bad people. And if you as bad parents still love your kids and you give them good things, how much more is your good, good, good father going to give the Holy Spirit to those of you who ask him? So, if you're ever wondering why some people seem to really like just live in the power of the Holy Spirit and they just witness to Yeshua's cause and there's just that anointing on them where it happens smoothly, now you know why. They were probably, they've probably done some asking. 
Yeshua said that's how it works. And also in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles said, God is a witness of these things, and so no, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those who obey Him. Everybody say obey Him. So like, if you're kind of like, sowing your wild oats and just doing whatever you want and prioritizing your agenda instead of Yeshua's agenda, and you're like, yeah, God, please give me your Holy Spirit, He probably won't. Because you're not obeying Him, right? So it's kind of this double thing, like obeying God and asking Him for the Holy Spirit. It's a really powerful one too. And uh, you, you were, it's going to really make a big difference in, yeah, like you testifying about Yeshua. Um, number two, this is something we uh, talked about a bit last Shabbat, but we're going to hit it again in terms of the how. And actually, maybe let's draw a picture of that first, that first thing, uh, the whole how. Like just um, the Holy Spirit. What could we draw... There's a picture of the Holy Spirit. The, the Hebrew word for... Uh, does anybody know the Hebrew word for spirit? It's ruach. Everybody say ruach. That's like... I'll even, I'll even write it for you. R-U-A-C-H. Ruach. And uh, that's the Hebrew word for breath or for wind. Everybody say wind. Like, you know, when it's going... You know, if you, there's every day when it's just really windy and the wind is just impacting your house and you can almost feel it shaking your house, just think that is a picture of the spirit, of the spiritual world in general and of God's spirit in particular. So maybe I'll just, I'll draw some, some gusty wind here. All right, so just imagine some, some wind like that. Okay, um, secondly, this is something we talked about a bit. Every one of us has a story because every one of us has encountered Yeshua and He's done something in our lives. In fact, He's probably done quite a few things. You know, at the beginning of our gathering, we were talking about how, yeah, Yeshua answered this prayer or He helped this person. Each one of those are stories. And when you tell stories like that, you're giving Him props. You're witnessing of what a great guy He is and what He can do, right? So um, that's number two, I'd say, is the most powerful thing we have in like our test. Our, our testifying arsenal is just telling our stories about what Yeshua has done for us. Um, if you read the Gospels from that perspective, wow, a lot of people had stories about Yeshua. Like uh, Lazarus, for instance, he had a story. He was like, yeah, I was dead for several days. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I was in this stinking tomb. And uh, they, they, uh, I came out. And Yeshua raised me from the dead. That guy had a story. You know, the guy who was a leper and he had to... Um, he couldn't see his family and he had to go live outside of town by himself. And if anybody came close, he had to be like, I'm unclean, stay away from me. You know, when he was slowly, his body was slowly falling apart because his nerves were all going numb. And then he, he saw Yeshua and Yeshua, he said, Master, like, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Yeshua said, I'm willing. And he touched him. He put his hand on him. And he, he cleansed him instantaneously. He healed him. That guy had a story. You know, remember the crazy guy across the lake? who had like a whole bunch of demons and he was like he was like living in the cemetery like he would go live in graves and he'd go running around at night screaming and howling terrifying everybody in the whole area I'm sure and um, like he didn't even wear clothes like naked guy running around screaming that's even scarier you know and um, what does it say they tried to tie him up several times with chains like you go to the hardware store and you get some good half inch length chains and he would just bust the things and off he goes again screaming, right? And so anyway, Yeshua comes across the lake and he casts all the demons out of this guy and he becomes sane. And they uh, get him to put some clothes on and he's alright with that, right? Like, that guy had a story about what Yeshua did for him. 
And maybe, like, maybe it's not so extreme for us. It's, maybe we can't be like, yeah, I was dead for a couple days and they already put me six feet under and then Yeshua brought me back to life. Or, yeah, you know, I was like, I was a total psycho and I ran around my town naked terrorizing everybody at night and I lived in the cemetery. Like, okay, maybe you don't have that kind of story, but I guarantee you, like, Yeshua's done stuff for you. He has done things in your life. Um, maybe you weren't a physical leper, but were you dirty inside? Did you struggle with guilt or shame? Or just those feelings of like dirtiness where you want to hide from people and hide from God? Did you have a dead heart where you couldn't love, where you couldn't really love, and Yeshua came and filled you with real love and, 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 and brought your heart to life and, and made it warm? Those are powerful stories. And you know what? There are a lot of people in our world who maybe they feel dirty inside and they're hiding. Maybe, maybe they do feel a little psycho. Some people do feel a little psycho. Some people do hear voices. Some people feel like they're at almost at the end of the rope and they're going to lose it. And they don't have a clue what to do. Oh, there are lots of stories like this that we have and that the people around us are stuff that people are wrestling with, right? So all that to say, um, you have a story and it's something really powerful that you can share. And um, it's not like, okay, I'm going to give you a, a couple like really basic pointers about your story. In the story... Your story, Yeshua is the hero. Everybody say, Yeshua is the hero. So when you tell your story, you're making Yeshua the hero, right? You're giving him props, you're contributing to his good reputation. You're talking about something fantastic that he did. Um, number two, you are the villain. Everybody say, I'm the villain. Right? Because if you're like, if you've got it all together and you're really cool and everything's going great, you don't really need Yeshua. And you're not really, and it doesn't really give him any credit, right? It's when you can be like, man, I was such a messed up person, and I was such a jerk, and I hurt people, and I willingly committed crimes, and, uh, or whatever the case may be. It's like, it's kind of humbling. You're kind of losing face in your story, but that's a good thing, because that all of a sudden makes lots of room for Yeshua to be the hero, right? So we, gotta, we kind of have to get over our egos and our pride, and this like, need that we have in our society to look like we have it all together and like we've always had it all together, just get over it, right? Hopefully we can be a community of people that have stories about how we were broken, how we have really dirty, wicked things in our past, but how about a guy named Yeshua came and changed us and uh, he's taken us somewhere on a journey. You know, I, I hope that can, be, that can be what people encounter when they, uh, when they meet us as a community and people from our community. Um, Thirdly, this is kind of cool, your story doesn't have to take 20 minutes to tell, okay? We live in a culture where basically if you have anything to say, you'd better be able to say it in 140 characters, like on Twitter, or people just aren't going to listen because they'll tune out after like 30 seconds, right? So if you have a story, you don't have to be like, well, I was born on such and such a date in this city, and like 30 minutes later, you're still talking about your whole life testimony. Like, don't do that, right? Just learn to, like... Put a little plug in for Yeshua in 20 seconds flat. Be like, you know, I, I used to be really depressed. I used to struggle with suicidal thoughts. And um, Yeshua really helped me out. You know, it's like he shone, it's like I was in the dark and he shone some light on me. Yeah. There, I just told you my story, right? Was that in like 15 seconds? Did I lose any of your attention? That was pretty cool. I, you could almost put that in a tweet. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's, that's kind of something to remember. Just learn to tell your, your story like in really, really fast little snapshots. Because you kind of have to do that. We live in an ADD culture, right? Um, fourthly, this is pretty cool. Nobody can argue your story. Because it's something you experienced, right? And you know, in our culture, there's a lot of tolerance. There is a lot of room for diversity. 
So, you know, people are really opening, open to hearing your experiences. You know, if you don't do it in a confrontational way or a preachy way, or if you don't really kind of push over their boundary, it's okay. You know, just in a conversation, 15 seconds, just be like, you know, this is something Yeshua did for me. And you don't have to, like, lay into them with the four spiritual laws. You don't have to try and get them on their knees right there and then and say the sinner's prayer. Just put a little plug in for Yeshua and let the conversation keep going, right? Because you just threw a seed in there. And that seed's going to go into their heart. And God's going to, if He wants to, He's going to see to it that that grows up and it's going to become something something good in their lives, right? Some, it's something they're going to keep thinking about. So that's just something to think about. And you know what? Even people who maybe are atheists or don't believe in God, you know, you tell, you tell something you experienced and they'll be like, okay, that's cool. You know, that's something you experienced. And you got it. You got the gospel to them right there. It can be really simple. So that's number two. Just uh, telling your story. What could, we, um, what could we draw for that? Somebody tell me what I should draw. A book. Okay. An open book. Okay. You could see it's like uh, your journal. Your journal where you have your life stories. Hey? Or for those of you who journal. I don't journal in a book. I journal on my computer because I can type a lot faster than I can write. And I can read what I type. Whereas I can't really read what I write because my writing is horrible. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll draw an open book like a journal. What did he do for you, Val? Wow. It's just, is it just date day with Yeshua, basically? You're just spending quality time with him today? That's awesome. That's awesome. Good. Okay. Um, I'll, just, I'll give you a practical application about this. I know we talked about this last Shabbat, but um, something you can do about like your story is just talk with a close friend of yours or a family member or a spouse and just start kind of being like, yeah, what are your stories? And start thinking of all your stories and write them down, right? Have like, um, say, five. Something that's really easy to remember. Have five little stories that you could just drop in a conversation about stuff that people struggle with, eh? And then just kind of, and then practice telling them to each other. Genevieve and I have been doing that when we go out on dates. We're just practicing telling our stories, right? The stories where I'm the villain and Yeshua is the hero. Stories that make him look really good. It's really fun, actually. And at first, it's kind of hard. But you get in the groove, right? It's kind of like, it took you a little while to learn how to walk or learn how to speak English, or learn how to drive. So don't expect that telling your story is going to come naturally. You might need to practice it, just like I needed to practice piano before I got any good, before it got smooth, right? So practice telling your story to like everybody you meet, right? It's going to get smoother and smoother. And then um, let's look at one more thing here. Number three, this is something, um, do any of you know who Justin Martyr was? Okay. There was a guy named Justin in the 100. So he lived about 1,900 years ago. And he lived in the Greek world. And uh, he, was a, he was a professional philosopher. So basically, he was probably really poor because philosophers in that day were kind of like artists today. Artists aren't typically very rich people, right? And uh, he had this special philosopher's 
uh, garment that he would wear, and he would walk around in like big Greek cities like Athens, and he would just talk with people all day long about existence and why things exist and how they came into existence and all of these kinds of things. Right? That was his job. Anyway, um, one day Justin met a disciple of Yeshua. And he tells this story. It's, um, it's in what you call patristic literature, the writings of the early church fathers. Uh, if you ever read Justin Martyr, he tells this story. And I don't know, I, I'd read it to you, but it's quite a few pages. But he was, he was walking by the beach one day, and he was just meditating and thinking about things. And uh, he met this old man who was a disciple of Yeshua. And they had this really, really, really long conversation that he recorded. And Justin became a believer in Yeshua as a result. And uh, one of the big things that convinced this philosopher that Yeshua was, was God's son, was the anointed king, was uh, Yeshua fulfilled a lot of prophecies. Like there were these spokesmen for God in Israel a really long time ago. And um, they would write things down that were going to happen. They would write things, they would describe the Messiah who was going to come. And then Yeshua came and bang, 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 he just totally matched up all these prophecies. He totally fit the, uh, the criteria. I'll give you a couple examples. Like, he was born in Bethlehem. A prophet named Micah prophesied that. He was rejected by his brothers and betrayed for 30 silver pieces that were later used to purchase a potter's field. Uh, a prophet named Zechariah prophesied that. Um, lots were cast for Yeshua's garments. That's in the, that was prophesied by uh, David in the book of Psalms. Um, he, was, he was executed by crucifixion. His, um, his hands and his feet were, were pierced. These would be some examples, right? And so anyway, this disciple of Yeshua just sat Justin down and he went over all of these prophecies from the ancient writings. And then he explained how Yeshua fulfilled all these. And I mean, that's, that's a pretty powerful line of evidence right there. Justin became a believer. And he went on to become a very powerful advocate for the gospel. He defended um, the truth of the word of God in the philosophical world in a way that none of us, I think, could do. Eh? And he still wore his philosopher's garb. It's kind of like uh, contextualizing the gospel, you know. And eventually he, uh, he was killed for his faith, which is why he is called Justin Martyr. Right? So anyway, that's like a little snapshot from... Uh, some history in the early Yeshua movement of someone who came to faith because they saw fulfilled prophecies. Another guy um, from our era would be a pastor in Seattle, Washington, named Mark Driscoll. I, I heard his testimony once. He has a, a big community uh, with a lot of people coming to faith in Yeshua that are the least likely kinds of people to go to church. So it's kind of neat what they're doing. But anyway, Mark Driscoll shares about how he grew up like a good Catholic boy, didn't know the Bible at all, right? And then when he was in college, someone sat him down and just went over these prophecies, showed him, you know, this, look at this, this ancient prophet Micah said that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And look where Yeshua was born. And just all of these correlations back and forth, right? Mark Driscoll was like, okay, I believe. That's not, that's not possible on a human level. That has divine fingerprints all over it. That's like big, like big, Neon pointers pointing to Yeshua, right? This is the man, that kind of thing. So he became a believer. I'll just read to you a couple passages where you can tell this was something really riveting for the early believers in Yeshua. Um, Paul, on the witness stand, in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 22, says this. Listen for those two themes of, of testifying and of how Yeshua fulfilled prophecy. So, having obtained help from God... I stand to this day testifying, both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. 
that the Messiah was to suffer, and that by his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light, both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So did you hear that? Paul said basically, you know, my job description is to testify about Yeshua. And this is what I do. I just say what the prophet said would happen. I just say what Moses said would happen in the Torah. Isn't that cool? So, you know, sometimes it's kind of tough slugging, reading through some of the things in the Old Testament, in the, in the Tanakh. But that's something to watch for. If you always watch for Yeshua, and you always watch for the Gospel, and how passages point to Messiah, it's really going to bring it to life for you. And maybe you'll get some really cool ways to talk about Yeshua with, uh, with people in conversation. That's, um, that's, a, that's a practical thing about that. Here are a couple more verses about that. Uh, Yeshua, in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 39, says this to uh, the religious uh, leaders of his day. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, chaye olam. It's these that testify about me. So did you hear that? All the books of the Tanakh from Genesis to Malachi, they testify about Yeshua. That's the whole point, eh? Um, here's another passage that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the Torah, God's righteousness has been revealed, being witnessed by the Torah and the prophets. So did you hear that? God's righteousness, like that thing where he makes you right with him, and he doesn't just make you right with him, but he makes you righteous as a person, like he changes you so you actually want to do what's right. It's like your real nature. God doesn't do that by you following a list of rules. He doesn't do that by you seeing how much of the Torah you can keep. He says God, that's, he says God has revealed his righteousness apart from the Torah and the writings of the prophets. But the Torah and the prophets all point to that righteousness that we have through Yeshua. Did you hear that? They testify of it. So again, it's that whole thing of like the, the, the Torah and the prophets, when we really study them and we live them out, everything in them is engineered to point to Yeshua, to preach the gospel. That's why I think it's really important as the body of Messiah that we be really strong in the Old Testament, that we not just be New Testament people, but that we be Old and New Testament people. Like uh, some friends of mine call themselves whole Bible Christians, and I really like that term. Um, um, Yeshua himself, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 4, here's a little example of this, how the Torah points to Yeshua. He just, um, he just cleanses this leper guy, and then this is what he says to him, See that you don't tell anybody, but go, show yourself to the Kohen, the priest, and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So when this leper gets cleansed, and he walks into the temple, and he says, I just got cleansed from my leprosy the priests would have been in an uproar. They would have been scrambling because lepers didn't get cleansed. In the Jewish world of Yeshua's time, there was a saying that like, when the Messiah comes, one of the things he will do is cleanse lepers. So the priests were probably freaking out because there's this big, really elaborate ritual in the book of Leviticus that you do when a leper gets cleansed. And they were probably like, oh my goodness, I never, we never did this one. And they were probably like, oh no, when they were teaching this one in school, I was um, daydreaming. I didn't think we'd ever do it, right? And so, like, just, you just think about the news. It would have just shot through the temple. Every single priestly family in Israel would have heard about that within a week, right? And so they would have scrambled and grabbed the scroll and unrolled it. I guess a lot of them had it memorized, but they would have been like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And, um, but did you, did, you, did you hear that? 
when a leper got cleansed, there was something in the Torah that God put there to testify of Yeshua being the Messiah. So, you know, as you read through the Torah, just be like, how does this testify of how Yeshua is the Messiah? It's all over the place. It's built into the Torah. I love that. Um, here's another passage. This one is in um, one of Yeshua's um, apostles, Shimon Kepha, or Simon Peter, in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 10. This is what he said about the prophets who prophesied about the Messiah. As to this salvation, what's the Hebrew word for salvation? That's kind of cool. As to this Yeshua, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Messiah within them was indicating, as he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. Isn't that, isn't that phenomenal? Like, these prophets, they would prophesy about the Messiah who is coming under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then and they would write it down, and the, or they would put it to music, David's case. And then later they would be like, wow, I wonder who's that, who that's going to be. What is that going to look like? And then they would say, it says they'd made careful searches and inquiries about the time and the place and who it was going to be. It's kind of cool. These prophets themselves, they didn't even know all the details, right? But did you notice there that it says... Um, the spirit of Messiah within them was indicating through the prophets of Israel the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. So as you read through the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, watch for the sufferings of Messiah. Everybody say sufferings. And the glories that would follow. Say glories. So for instance, when you're reading the story of Joseph, watch for how he was rejected. Watch how he was thrown in a pit. Watch how he was sold out by his own brothers. Watch how he spent years in infamy. Those kinds of things, right? They're, they're all pictures of Yeshua's sufferings. They're all, uh, they're all like uh, little prototypes of it. Actually, it's kind of interesting. I'll give you the... Uh, where, where it talks about like um, predicting the sufferings. Where, is it, where does it talk about your process? Yeah, when, it was, when it's talking about indicated as he predicted, that uh, the, the Greek word there is pro-martyromai. Everybody say pro-martyromai. You know the word pro, it means before, right? And then can you hear the martyr root? So it's kind of like the holy, it's like pro-martyr. He was, pre, he was pre-witnessing, right? Ahead of time. So I'll, I'll leave that as our, uh, our last thing today. Just as a practical application, you know, as, you, um, as you're studying through the Tanakh, like I said, watch for how it points to Yeshua, how it preaches the gospel. Ask how, what does this tell me about Yeshua's sufferings? What does this tell me about the glories to follow? And uh, something you may want to do is uh, get a list. Get a list of all of the prophecies in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, that Yeshua fulfills. And just have them in your Bible, right? It's pretty cool. Then if someone's open to it, if you're having coffee with someone and they're open to like looking at it for five minutes, you can be like, yeah, look, check this out. Like there's some really ancient prophecies. And when Yeshua came, bang, 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 he just fulfilled a ton of them. Isn't that interesting? You know, it, I, I guarantee you that will get people thinking. But you'll want to have that list on hand so that you can just take someone through it right there and then, right? Write down the page number and that kind of thing. So maybe we'll draw one more picture. What could we draw as a, uh, to, uh, to picture that? Maybe we could draw like, um, let's draw a couple of prophets. We'll try to draw a couple of prophet dudes and um, kind of, you know, describing stuff. I guess in ancient Israel, men wore dresses, so we'll draw them with dresses on, basically. Um, Okay.
So there, there are these prophets, and they're, they're, they're prophesying of the Messiah who is to come, right? And there are a whole bunch of them. And then they're writing it down in the scroll. So try to draw a scroll. There are all of these things that they're writing down. And then guess what? There's this little baby boy that comes on the scene. And it's Yeshua. And this little boy grows up and he just, he's like, from his birth on, he just keeps fulfilling all of these prophecies, right? So maybe we can just draw that picture to, to uh, sum that one up. <laughs> Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.